Bearing Nation, how we doing? This is your host, Rob Napoli, and you are tuning in to another episode of the Bear Necessities Podcast, a podcast where we sit down with entrepreneurs, ecosystem partners, and innovation folks, talk about what it takes to launch, create, and scale businesses across the world. Bear Nation, how we doing? Um, back again, this is your host, Rob Napoli, and we're up early today, so we're actually recording this. We started our conversation about 6.30 Eastern Standard Time this morning. It's about 7 o'clock as we're kicking off. Uh, I got a full cup of coffee deep. Uh, but uh, today's a marathon morning for us uh, as my guest is somebody uh, that I'm really excited to talk to. And we're going to do a back-to-back uh, pod swap. So um, with me today is Stelyan Yankov. Did I pronounce that right or did I mess up the, the last name? Absolutely not. Right, but uh, I forgive you about that. I tried. <laughs> so, and how are we doing today? I'm good, man. I'm super excited. Uh, thanks for the invitation to do a podcast swap. I'm very excited to chat with you. Obviously, it's uh, 2 p.m. here in Eastern Europe, uh, yeah. but I have my third cup of coffee, and let's see where we go from here. <laughs> so, um, you're based out of Copenhagen. So, Stone is a, is a former movie producer uh, who realized um kind of through his life that he didn't want to do that anymore and he really wanted to get in productivity and performance uh so he became a coach and he's also a professional speaker and has presented on stages around 30 plus countries around the world including a recent tedx talk that he did um he's got over 10 years working across denmark out in the baltics all over europe uh, and recently we were just chatting pre-show about um his 15 days of travel uh, he was in Tel Aviv where he sent me a, a picture on his balcony reading my book with a glass of, I think, wine. Um, and uh, he specializes in coaching organizations and entrepreneurs. Uh, he's helped hundreds of companies. And we've really bonded over um, both of our missions, having worked with a lot of accelerators, a lot of entrepreneurs in uh, something that he wrote a book about that you guys hear me talk about all the time. His book is called Perform the unsexy truth about startup success. And he wrote this with another amazing person, Cristobal, who runs Startup Wise Guys. Startup Wise Guys is one of the biggest, baddest accelerators in the world based out of the Baltics. Um, and so I'm really excited about this because we have bonded over and, and the whole reason Bear Necessity started was we're going to talk about that startups aren't sexy, like the, the, the nitty gritty, right? Like the shit that you have to go through going through a startup is fucking hard. And so was introduced to me by my business coach and one of my good friends, Anna Leibel. Um, so that is the, the long winded intro, uh, his background, like we bonded, we chatted for like an hour and a half on like a 30 minute intro call. Um, so my guy, I appreciate you having having you on. I'm really excited about the conversation today. Yeah, thanks so much, Rob, and congratulations for the one year anniversary of the podcast. Keep on going, keep on bringing amazing people, and it is an honor to be here with you. So let's hit it up. Yeah. So so you know you were we were just talking about your time in Tel Aviv, and you did this long 15 day uh, travel for work where uh, where were you where were you and what were you doing um on this trip uh so basically i went to tel aviv to do a keynote for for a company uh and 
you probably already guessed as we are both connected on LinkedIn. When I do, when I go somewhere, I try to meet, meet as many people as I can. So I reach out to my connections, to my network. I set up coffee meetings, uh, drinks, like just try to visit local events. Uh, uh, so I did have a chance to meet, I think, 10, 15 really, really cool people from the ecosystem in Tel Aviv. That was the first time I'm going there. Um, I did my workshop on productivity, client is happy, and then I headed to, to Tallinn, Estonia, and I did have to do my signature perform bootcamp for the recent uh, batch of startup wise guys, a fintech batch. Um, so I spent a few days with the startups, with the founders, and uh, then I went to the mountains. And I was a trainer at the leadership bootcamp for college kids and also enjoying myself uh, doing some walks, meeting the people, uh, not to mention the final party, uh, which was until six in the morning. So um, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a good time. I love it. And, and you know, what I love about that is that you went from the company side of things to the startup side of things and then to the youth, right? And we think about uh, future entrepreneurs. In your line of work as a productivity coach and speaker, you get to interact with very varied groups of people. What are what are the major things you see kind of like from those different levels, from like the bigger companies that you get to work with to like the college students? And like, what is the messaging that you bring to them to kind of bridge the gap? Because we know right? Millennials are, are entering the marketplace as, as managers and leaders. Gen Z is like now working for us, like they're, they're in their first jobs. Um, and you have a lot of like older leaders. So like, how do you bring that together as a productivity coach? Like talk to me about how you bring this message across bigger companies into, you know, college kids through these camps. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and as you said, you should always adjust and adapt your message depending on your audience. When I work with uh, more senior people, with teams, with companies, I rarely do a long, longer kind of session. Like you can't get the the team uh, for, I mean, you can you can do a team offsite or, or something specific strategy sessions, but but when, when it's about the usual, let's get a guy to, to, to do a session, a workshop, it's usually around an hour and a half, two hours, maybe three hours if, if I'm lucky. And well, you called me productivity coach. I work a lot more with groups. I also work one-on-one, -on -one, but a lot more with groups. Um, meaning when I work with corporates, they usually have a lot of structure, right? Like there's organization, there's processes, there's principles. Um, but but there's a lot of things that... Uh, it's not that they don't know them. Uh, often they know the stuff, but it's more about having somebody, you have a pit stop and you have a chance to, to come and see in a very condensed way, what are some of the things that we might be currently not paying attention to, which they, on the way of uh, productivity and efficiency, not just your personal productivity, right? Because, okay, you're a leader, you're a manager, even if you don't manage anybody, you, you got to be really good with your personal productivity, getting things done, organizing yourself, prioritizing but you're part of a bigger system, right? You, you, you don't operate in isolation, especially if you're a manager. It's how do I ensure that my people prioritize their time well? 
They have good communication with each other. They give each other feedback. Uh, so if I can say what kind of the, my biggest passion and, and kind of the hat of everything that I do, it's around how can we build organizations and culture which focus on productivity, building environments of productivity, and care. Caring environments where people feeling fulfilled, motivated, they care for each other. Um, so larger organizations, there are certain ways to do that. Startups, well, startups usually, they can spend a lot more time, right? Like that's why we do boot camps with uh, two, three days. They're very passionate. Um, they don't have much structure. Usually they're, they're very curious. They, they want to learn stuff. They want to build stuff. They, they read books. They listen to podcasts. Um, the problem is they don't have focus. They're really super excited about everything. And when, you, when you're passionate about everything and have no boundaries, it's really hard to be productive and to actually <laughs> move forward in progress. With the college, with the college kids, um, it's a little bit different. I mean, it's so much easier to, to get them excited, right? Because those type of topics, you, you don't study them in school. So that's when you show up, it's you're one of the first people they see in the areas of uh, you know productivity, leadership, personal development. So it's not so much about here's how you your effective day to day. It has to do a lot with you know this more general topics of personal leadership, career advice, how do you navigate in life? Uh, so sharing a lot more stories and, and so on. I mean, I love that. I, you know, I get to work with college kids um, and I usually do, you know, six, seven talks with different colleges around the globe, which usually between Italy and the US. Um, we, I talk a lot about the idea of personal development in the long run, meaning don't wait till you're 30, 40, 50 to start personal development, it starts today. But it's a lot more of like, how do you invest in yourself? And like, what should you be looking towards to invest in yourself? And I want to bring this back around because I always talk about like companies, we're seeing a, a revolution uh, of companies, right? When we saw um, the great resignation, all the things that happened and that we employees want companies to invest in their people, right? Training, development, that brand. And we used to say like, invest in your brand because no one else is going to invest in you, right? So you talk about your passion is to help companies care and create systems around care, right? And that has to do with building culture. And I was giving a, a really interesting talk to um, about 50 founders on a pier in New York City. It was for Founders Network about culture. And one of the questions I got asked, I want to ask you this question is, when do you start thinking about culture? And the second part of that, because you work with these later stage companies, how do you handle that, right? Whether you're a startup, what's that look like in late stage? And I know this is something you're passionate about, and I know that you have a book around some of this stuff. So I'm trying to, I want to, I want to, I want to let you, I'm going to give you some space. I know this is more than like a two second answer. So feel free to like de develop it because it's a very loaded question. But I literally did this talk last week and I thought, I was like, holy shit, I cannot wait to ask him this same question on the pod because I got asked, when do you start thinking about culture? And then how does that expand from a startup to these large companies? Mm. Brilliant question. Um, so when I started on this journey, I had my opinion about this and I had an answer for myself. But, but then again, you know, this is my opinion. So when we started doing research for the book. 
Um, on the one side, setting up interviews with successful entrepreneurs, accomplished founders, coaching many companies and talking to them, asking this specific question because that's at the core of the book. We got two answers, Rob. The one answer was, you got to start at day one. And the second answer was, I wish we started at day one. Because we, we, we got into 10, 15, 20 people. Now we got this funding and we never talk about culture. We never talk about systems around it. Who are we? What are our values? What's our purpose? Where are we? And now we need to scale. We need to hire twice as many people. And it was such a rough ride. I wish we started at day one. Yeah. So I love that you bring this up because culture starts the day that you found a company and the idea of why did you start your company? What are you looking to accomplish? If you start a company to make money, that's fine. But be honest about it. If you're starting a company to make an impact. Put that impact up first. What are your values? What is your mission statement? All those things can be put to the forefront and the decisions are built around that. But when you're a one per company of one to a company of five to a company of 10 to a company of 50 to a company of 100, culture is going to change. It's just how it is at scale. So culture is something that you don't just hire somebody back in. It's like, okay, we want to think about culture again. It's like it is an evolution because as you said, the two things that we learned, you start at day one and I wish I started at day one because so many companies lose sight of that. And I found that to be just wildly interesting is, is we look at how do companies evolve? Where do they go from here? And how can we help develop that and, and create that conversation and make that conversation go? And I love that that is a big passion and purpose for you. And let me maybe clarify something. I definitely agree with you. And I think uh, if I can use a metaphor, uh, your culture is like a living organism. You know, you start with the baby startup. Uh, so you, you have some certain genes and like, you know, talents and strength. Like so, but, but, but it can evolve in many different directions, right? Um, but, and that's the thing, you don't have to have it all defined and, and have a, a little Bible with all your values and things and never change it from day one. You need to start paying attention at day one. You need to have having conversation with your co-founder, with your team. Who are we? What are the kind of values that we embrace? And, and, and really, in a practical terms, what happens when somebody does this? What are the things we prioritize? Who are the kind of people we want to attract? Because they might be really good in what they do, but not everybody fits because they don't embrace the same kind of values. Like, why do we do what we do? Especially when you're small. I mean, there's so many statistics about the small percentage and probability of startups to succeed. It's like less than 10%, right? If you wanna, if you wanna grow, if you wanna attract people, if you wanna attract investors, you better know what's your mission. You better excited about it. You better passionate about it. And, and you better get people on the team who are not just great performers, who are not just, very important, having the right values, but actually passionate about the same vision, the same mission. Uh, so I think, the, and it's a, it's a, right, you, you do this workshop. Hey guys, let's talk about the values. Let's do these exercises. Great. This is okay. Let's come back to it in two months. But, but before that, let's try and see, do we actually live these values? Right? Like this, a lot of this, like 
integrity, uh, honesty, punctuality. It's like, okay, uh, one of your top three values is punctuality and you've been late for a meeting three times this month. Hmm. Interesting. Is that really a value? Or is that something that you, you feel like it could be a nice value? No. What do you actually do? This is your values. What do you do? What do you prioritize? So I'm super passionate about it. And, and, um, and it's practical, man. It is really practical. Like, like when you get these things right, your chances afterwards to build something successful increase. I, I love that you bring, you say that because there are so, it is so easy to create values and missions that are bullshit that look good on paper that we don't live. And you can live them and that can be a, a, a value today and that a value evolves tomorrow. And that's why this conversation needs to start from day one and it's a continued conversation and it goes into ebbs and flows. Like you said, it's a living organism. And that's what I think is so beautiful about this idea. And it leads me to my next question of you know your background was you were building a production company you're doing all these things, you're, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're going through this stuff. And then you kind of just like had this moment, you know, where you're just like, shit, it's not what I want to do. And you were inspired by Tony Robbins and, and other um, great motivational speakers. And you knew that you wanted to transition into productivity, performance coaching, you know, and I say coaching, but I mean like one to many type, right? Speaking, training, um, and developing that from a one to many, as well as, you know, I know you do one to one, but your bigger core business is one to many. What was like, was it, was it a singular moment? Was it over time? Did you kind of wake up one day and just be like, this shit sucks and I want to start over? Like how, I know you talk a bit about in like the early part of your book, um, but talk to me through like, you know, you didn't go into too much depth there. So talk to me through like that moment for you of when you, switch from an entrepreneur of one business to completely transforming and taking your life in a whole different direction. Yeah, absolutely, man. So as you said, I, I would go to all these events at the time, uh, Tony Robbins events, coaching educations, conferences on personal development and business development uh, while I was running my video production company. And I kind of love producing videos. I kind of love producing movies for the sake of it's very creative. It's very fun. You know, you go, you meet people. But, but there were some certain things that were not aligned with my values. Again, talking about values. Uh, first of all, I never knew you have to have an alignment on values. So I got into a company with somebody with a different set of values than mine, different vision and mission than mine. We never talk about it. Great performer, exceptional what he does. Um, and... The whole film and video industry at the time that I was in, at least, you know, you go on set, people eat pizza, unhealthy lifestyle, we don't sleep enough, don't, people don't read books about leadership and those kind of things. So, so the kind of environment was not really my type of environment to some extent. So I was having kind of like, uh, you know, maybe I should do what uh, these other people do, coaches, and maybe I should be on stage. And... Um, since I uh, did my coaching uh, education uh, at IPEC Coaching in London, I started uh, where in the weekend, where in the evening, having one, two, three one-on-one -on -one clients, you know, coaching them and 
And I could see they would start finding relationship, moving to another country, get a new job, like, you know, getting results. And one of them, one day after the session, really happy with the session, was like, Stoyan, let's just stay for five minutes. How have you been? How's it going with you, man? Like, thanks for all the support. What happened with your workshop? I remember one year ago when we started working together, you said you want to work on this workshop um, called Life is Like a Movie. Inspiring people how to be the directors, the producers of their own movies. How did it go? Do you still do it? And then I was like, um, I'm very busy. I didn't have a chance. Uh, you know, I have all these videos. And he was like, That's, that is so ironic, man. You helped me, pushed me to achieve my goals, but you're not working on yours. I'm going to give you a challenge. You have to put up your first workshop and you have 30 days and if you don't deliver you have to pay 500 pounds and I think he mentioned something like uh, uh, to an extreme feminist organization that hates men <laughs> like or something like <laughs> find something that you know and he was actually using my own tools that I was using on him to achieve his goals so what happened is I hang up the phone put up my first event on Facebook, back then it was it was working really well with events. Waiting list, I booked myself in the job, job center, uh, pretty much. So I prepared the thing, and I was nervous, man. I was, I was afraid. The truth was I wasn't busy, I was afraid. It's like, oh my God, it's my event, everybody's looking at me. I was thinking about myself. Um, and by the way, you're a speaker, you're a consultant, you very, very well know that you wouldn't be stressed and nervous if you understand it. It's not about you. It's about the audience. They don't care about you. <laughs> They're there for something else. When you shift, it's a different story. But, but at the time I didn't know. So, so, you know, I prepared really well, did my workshop, get people together. They were talking. So people are happy. I'm like, oh, whew, I made it. <laughs> I survived. Right. And there's a girl from China that signed up for my workshop. And she just saw it online. She doesn't know me. And maybe, you know, people in Asia, they, they have this respect for authority. So if I'm on stage, then I'm probably somebody famous. Or So she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah, sure. So she comes and she shared her story. And, and that, for me, was the, the point of no return in movie language. She... She told me that the, the town that she comes from, basically, and she was at the age of 25, uh, the culture is that if you're a woman, you have to listen to your parents and you don't, you don't make any decisions. Anything you want to decide on, you, you, you just you ask your mom and dad until the time you get married, then you ask your husband. And now she was 25 and she never made a decision for herself. Never. Even for the, for the workshop. She called her mom and dad and, and they told her, yeah, go to the workshop. So she was like, Stone, you, you asked me to close my eyes and see myself. Where do I want to be? What's the story of my movie? And you know what? I was, I was a little confused, but, but I came up with a story. I want to be a storyteller. I want to empower women in China to be their own leaders, to do whatever makes them happy, to make their own mistakes. And then she hugs me. And she doesn't let go. She just just hugged me like this, you know. And, and I'm staying like, I I just wanted to survive this workshop, man. Like, just because he challenged me. 
But who am I to be to be afraid? This was my fear. It was my insecurities. Who am I to be afraid? What if I touch one person? What if one conversation, one question that I ask is going to change somebody's direction? Going to motivate them, going to give them a practical tool. Uh, so, so for me, that was the that was the, the the exact moment that was like, there's no way back. Let's go. Let's move. Let's build. So, um, and those who are listening, I, I hope you you get this. Maybe there's something that you want to do. Maybe it's something you've been postponing for a while with the excuses that I don't have the time. Uh, let's see what happens, and like you don't know. Yeah, you don't know what happens tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I wanted to start a podcast since I came back from Italy in 2017 and I always had a reason not to or like didn't know how to do it or these things. And I finally did. And now I'm, you know, recording episode 70 going on my second season, you know, and I've learned so much from this experience that it's changed the way I look at like some of the stuff I coach on, some of the stuff I train on. Right. Like, you know, I, I joke because I like talk like I'm a coach and that's kind of my, my personality. Like I'm like a coach's coach. Like I mean, I'm a coach's son. My whole family is all like athletic sport coaches, right? Like that's like the world I grew up in. And so, but I look at myself more as like a trainer. Like my goal is not to like coaches, like the way I look at this coaching, you do a lot of questions and you put people in places to be successful for them to make decisions. Training allows me to run them through the reps, right? And coaches also train, right? But I like I like splitting my two things where I have like the coaching world where it's a lot more questioning and guidance and really like helping somebody make their own decisions where training, it's like, okay, I'm going to walk you through this, through stories, through um, different exercises so that you can take away one, two, three things at most from this workshop that you can go put into practice tomorrow. That makes an immediate impact. Because if one small impact happens tomorrow, then another impact the next day and the next day. And they start, you know, layering on what happens. And you notice being in this world is sometimes these motivational speakers and stuff, they give you these really big abstract things that you're like, this is awesome. And you retain, you know, when you sit through something, you retain 20% after an hour, right? It's like after an hour, it's like gone. And then you want them to like take all these big things and they have to go study it and they have to like transverse it down onto paper and then put it into action and if it's too heavy of a lift for them they're going to do the same thing they did as they did before and just not do it right and i love that you talk about this like part of your book where like every, like your kind of key moment uh when you were doing a workshop with cristobal was the five minute meditation the finishing off of meditative state saying what did you learn here today and what is like vision what you're going to do tomorrow to walk away what what puts you in that moment of like I want to end with a meditative state to drive this point home? Like did that like come to you? Was that something you learned? Like was that from practice yourself? Like I I love that when I read that I was like holy shit. Um, so what made that kind of be your signature into one of your work your workshops? I, I guess it's a accumulation of all the experiences that I've been through like you you go places you see things and you you kind of see what works for you um and as you said training is it's an art man you you can't perfectly plan a training or or you know like an experience it's an experience it's like I have an idea I will research as much as I can about my audience but but when I go on spot 
there will be a lot of things that will come out that I wouldn't know about. So, so it's I'm like uh, the person, like uh, what do you call that? The director Very of the nice. orchestra. Oh, the, the conductor. The conductor, right? Yeah. Like, like, hey, all right, there's some some pain points coming. Okay, assessing the situation, what their gaps are. All right, let's put these people into a group because it seems like this person, like you, you, you have your structure and you, you got some content you want to go through and exercises, but, but then on the way, there are certain things you need to be able to navigate so everybody gets the, the most value, the most, the, the, the greatest experience out of it. Um, and yeah, man, reflections, it's, it's important, man. It's, it's about learning retention. But every time we do a workshop, like if it's a training, which is more than two days, for example, the, we, we begin the second day with, all right, let's get into groups. What were the key learnings from, from yesterday? Share it in the small group. All right, now, Let's share with the main group, right? So because they return, retain the learning and you can write it down in different color, you know, uh, pencils and so on, but meditation and specifically guided meditation, I, I got introduced uh, to that my first year in college when I attended a very special 10-day seminar. It was crazy, man. It was a seminar called The System of uh, Norbekov. And I have some uh, endure with my, with my feet, so my mom signed me up for this thing because I was struggling for a year. And she was like, you know what? I found this self-healing seminar. I'm like, what? Self-healing seminar? Come on, mom. Like, come on. It's she was like, that's I, woo-woo. I really... that's woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when you're first first year college yeah. kid, like, it's like, come yeah. on. And, and she was like, look, I did the thing. It was amazing. It's not just about healing. It's You'll love it. Give it a try. I already paid for it. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. But if I don't like it, I'm quitting. It's like, okay, fine. So you go to the seminar, man. And they introduce the stuff and they're like, all right. So everybody, we have, we have two rules. Number one, you have to stay in a power pose during the whole seminar. And number two, you got to smile. You're not allowed not to smile. So, so like four hours a day, man. You're like, yeah. Like, that, like that, man. <laughs> and, that is, and it's like, do. oh, where, where am I? What's going on, right? Like, but uh, but then there was there was a bunch of different visualizations, meditations, and 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 I gave it a try. By the end of day ten, man, you're so positive. You have so many goals, and and you have so much energy. It's been, it's been incredible. Uh, so meditation has been a big part of my life, and of course, I use uh, those type of. Uh, guided visualizations myself to lead my audience to whatever place I want them to go. I love that because I, I know that it, it provides that space and place to create action, right? And like the best trainers, like so many people go on stage and they don't assess the room and they just talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and like there's no chance for you to like put that into action. In fact, I took um, one of my friends, Alaria, she, she does guided breath work. And I did a, our, my first breathwork session. And for me, when I meditate, my meditative state's in motion. It's going for a walk. And then I have to go into that state because I am ADHD, um, low-grade OCD. Like, I have to be in motion for me to, like, stop thinking. Um, but doing guided breathwork, because I'm, I'm, I'm breathing and you have the sensory, so they have, um, you know, the sage burning. You've got um the, the light show you have all these sensory experiences i was able to get into a state and it's like holy 
shit, this was awesome. Like I, I found my way to do that. Um, so it's been pretty cool. So we're getting up here on time here and, and I know we didn't get deep into the book because, well, to be honestly, to be honest, I wanted to kind of prime, uh, get people excited about it, but I want people to go read it. I don't want to give you uh, the kit and caboodle because I think this book is, is fantastic. I'm about halfway through it. And, you know, you talk about the perform method and this is something that you and Cristobal came up with. And for those that don't know, Cristobal is the guy that started Startup Wise Guys and started that Startup Wise Guys family. And there's a really cool piece talking about that region, the Baltic region in specific, about called the New Europe. And there's so much innovation. In fact, Stone was talking about pre-show. Uh, you said what? The Baltic uh, investment in the Baltic area is like $2 billion, um, into the startup ecosystem, right? Something like south, that. Southeastern. 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 So that's oh, we're Baltic. talking about Southeastern Europe. Okay. That's a little bit south. Okay. Well, we'll push that off. But we're, you talk about the New Europe piece, and I really love um, kind of that primer to this book. Uh, but why don't you talk about what does Perform stand for and let people know where they can find the book. And then I have one final question before we close out. So what does Perform stand for and where can they find the book? And Perform is your bird-eye view on your company in order for you to build a peak performing culture. And these are kind of areas that everybody knows about because we are so busy, we often tend to neglect them. So PERFORM is an acronym. It's a reminder for everybody to pay attention consistently to these areas. P stands for purpose and values, right? The defining the culture. Who are we? Why do we do what we do? What is our mission? What's our vision? What's our purpose? What are the kind of values? Who are the people that we want to attract? How do we like to operate, right? Do we have, is everybody on the same page around it? Do we live our culture? E stands for effective planning. My favorite area as a productivity coach, right? Like, how do we set goals? How do we set objectives? Is everybody on the team clear what their priorities are? How do I manage my time as a leader? And how do I coach my team to be really good in managing their own time, setting their own goals? What are the kind of systems and processes we use to be on the same page when it comes to objectives and priorities? Then it comes our roles and responsibilities. And that one is actually an interesting one. Like when we did it, Christopher and I were looking for a letter, like an R, right? Like we need an R. Hey, how about roles and responsibilities? Yeah, but that's going to be so small. Everybody knows their role, right? And, and that's the thing, Rob. You, you work with a lot of startups. Um, I'm the chief marketing officer uh, and I'm the VP of uh, product. Uh, you're a three people team. Um, how, how come you're the VP and he's the chief? Who are you a chief of, right? But okay, use your title. That's fine. Use your role. But what do you actually do? What are your commitments? What are your responsibilities? Not Michael, Maria and me are doing sales. No, who's the one accountable for this specific project, for this specific area? And do we know each other utilizing the best our strengths and our passions, something that not many teams talk about. What are people passionate about? Okay, so that's roles and responsibilities. The, the next one, F, stands for focus and execution. Right? You, you, you can have great goals. There's this overthinkers, overplanners. But when it comes to building something, it's about, it's about focus, man. It's about saying no and 
building a culture of execution over perfection. You got to get things done. You got to move fast and make mistakes, right? So, so that's focus and execution. O stands for optimal energy. I've been guilty of that one many times over, right? Like you're so excited and passionate to build that you forget to prioritize your well-being, sleep, eating properly, exercising, like all these small things. But do we have the habits around it? So as leaders, as founders, we actually inspire everybody else to also be paying attention to this thing, incorporating this thing in the culture of the company. So it's a sustainable culture. Okay, robust communication. That's the second R, internally. And this one could be 10 books by itself, right? Communication. Um, how do we talk to each other? How frequently do we talk to each other? What kind of channels do we use? Do we have efficient feedback structures? So when something's not going well, we immediately tell each other into, into a kind and proper way. How often do we talk to our people as leaders? What do we tell them? Like simple, practical, useful stuff. And then the last one, M stands for mental toughness. It's a mindset. Mental toughness is defined as the capability to deal with stressors. What happens when things don't go by plan? How fast do you get back into a balanced, productive, calm state so you can actually address the challenges and uncertainties as opposed to spending time in negative energy, feeling sorry for yourself, feeling like a victim, being angry and and being giving excuses to and complaints to everybody, right? Again, as a CEO, all eyes are on you. As a leader, all eyes are on you. Whatever you do, don't expect your team to do something different because they model you. So you better show up with, with the good attitude, no matter the circumstances. And sometimes it's really hard. We talk about it, right? Like It's very easy to talk about that stuff. But then you've been planning and doing this deal with an investor. And then one day before signing the deal, they say, we're out. Now you can't pay the salaries next week. Like it's very easy to say, yeah, stay positive. Well, it's not that easy. And you have a lot of this on a daily basis. I mean, you're the last person in command. Like that's, you know, you're going on a dinner, you know, like, like you have, oh, everything is fine. Something breaks in the company. Now who has to resolve it? Who takes ownership? You. So anyway, perform. This is what perform is all about. Uh, the book is filled with a bunch of practical examples. We did over 50 interviews just for the book, um, interviewing some of the people from the region and beyond, asking them, what are you doing in these specific areas? What do you practically do in order to, to be better in mastering this area? So yeah, if, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, you can go to Amazon, look for the book, perform the unsexy truth about startup success, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Stoyani Anko, find me, write a note. And I know, Rob, you have some specific thing about writing a note when <laughs> being added on LinkedIn, I'm on the other camp. I'm more of a, if you want to reach out and if you want to get an answer from me, definitely put a little note why you want to get in touch. I know Rob has a different opinion. We'll talk about it in just 10 minutes on the other podcast. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Awesome. And where can my listeners find you? How do they learn more about you? Um, where should they go to learn more about you, what you do, get in touch with you? LinkedIn, the best place or website? Where, where should they be following you at? Definitely. You can go to LinkedIn, find me through my name. You can go to Instagram uh, or my, my webpage, Um, You can check out my podcast, Productivity Mastery. 
which is going to be featuring a rock star in just a few minutes. Uh, his name is Rob Napoli, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, Productivity Master, you can find it on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcast, uh, just like this one. So, yeah, get in touch. I love to talk to people, but, you know, don't be a stranger. Reach out. I love it. And, and you know, we could have probably gone on for hours talking, like, podcast stuff, because I've been listening to your podcast, and, and there's so many insights and things. So, um, what I'll do, listeners, is I will make sure to link the website link the book, link the LinkedIn, link uh, the podcast so that you can go check it out, connect, um, follow, and engage. Uh, I promise you will be worth your time, energy, and effort. Uh, so and thank you so much for being a part of Bear Nation. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Excited uh, for this to drop, and, 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 and I'm excited to go back-to-back. Um, we're going to go live here in a little bit. For those listening, this will have been a few weeks um already but uh, i'm excited to go live with you um and, and chat further so we'll be talking here soon so until next time bear nation stay well and rise up bear nation thanks for listening to the bear necessities of entrepreneurship if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review 